Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today, I'm really excited about today's podcast. Going to have Candace Buckner on, uh, my colleague and our Wizards beat writer, to talk about the the interesting stretch coming up for the Wizards. Wizards opened the season 2-7, and seven, uh, but now have five games in a row starting tonight at Philly, followed by home against the Knicks, Heat, and Suns, and then at Orlando. That could get them back to 500 if they win them all, as they should. Uh, if they win four of them, that's good. If they win any less than that, it's a huge missed opportunity for them. So it's going to be a pivotal stretch for the Wiz, and, and me and Candace are going to spend a lot of time talking about that and about the, the team chemistry and everything else uh, going on with that team right now. So that look forward to that over the next 45 minutes. But first, I just want to tell you guys quick, um, starting on Tuesday, we're going to, try to, we're going to do a, a video, a live video chat um, uh, at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern, noon Pacific. Um, the goal is to have it be in the long term, uh, like True Hoop Live, um, the the, Friday, the old Friday True Hoop podcast. For anybody that that listens to this and listens to True Hoop, um, you know that was always a lot of fun. Whenever I got a chance to be part of it, and I'd like to try to do a you know a, a podcast. The audio will be ripped for a podcast later, but the goal would be to have this kind of become an interactive an interactive thing that you know I'll hopefully be able to have some friends of mine on in the future. Uh, some of the guys from True Hoop, some other people, people from the post. Uh, this Tuesday, Tom Johnson, who's a, a huge Heat fan and a, a big, big time NBA fan, really smart guy uh, who works in our video department. He's going to do do the chat with me, and um, you know, I'm really, really excited about the possibilities for this. Uh, it should be should be a lot of fun. Um, I'll get you, well. There'll be more details. I believe it's going to be on both Facebook Live and Periscope, so you know we can you know we can have it you know, have it on there and, and hopefully get a lot of questions and, and really, really try to make this interactive, fun thing. So um, I'm really looking forward to participation from you guys. Any feedback that you have on how it goes, uh, please feel free to, to shoot me a tweet, uh, shoot me an email, uh, whatever. Um, let me know what you think and, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. But with that, let's get to Candace and uh, to talk about the, the very interesting and confusing as always, Washington Wizards. All right, well, thanks for coming on, Candace. Obviously, not the best start for the Wiz um, heading into, uh, frankly, I think kind of a pivotal early season stretch. Uh, now two and seven, but with, I think, five games in a row that they can pretty realistically win and maybe be favored in most of them. I mean, do you right. do you, do you kind of see that the same way, that, that even though it is only, you know, 10% of the season gone by, that the Wiz just kind of have to get their, their act together quick here? Absolutely, although I haven't seen anything – in this team to say, okay, they're going to put, they're going to get on a, a hot streak. Like right now, <laughs> it's just the schedule. Right. Um, th- and to be fair, their early season schedule, they, they have played decent teams. Um, but now they're, they're probably they're only faced. have one. They probably only have one bad loss, right? Which is that Orlando. magic, which is that magic game that John Wall didn't play in. Right. Exactly. And you know, they, they hit one three pointer and they win the game. Right. But, um, but true. I, they, I, I, Orlando plays hard, uh, you know, not to, you know, sound cliche, they play really hard. And so, um, I understand why they lost, but they still shouldn't have lost that game. Um, but, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. After, after the 76ers, the Knicks and shoot, they have, um, right. Knicks heat, heat and Suns at home. And then they go to Orlando again, no back to backs in there, three home games, all, all five, five teams under 500, 
Like those, those are games that if the Wizards are going to be the team we thought they were, they should win. They need to, right? There was a back-to-back uh, tonight and tomorrow. Oh, but that's other right. Other than that, that's right. You know, yeah. There's no such thing and as Joel travel Embiid, from Philly Joel, to right, DC. Exactly. And Joel Embiid <laughs> isn't even playing for the Sixers today, so they, I mean, they they should win this game going away. Precisely. And Carmelo is still mad at Phil for saying the word posse, so he should probably be emotionally <laughs> well, Knicks, out of it. the Knicks have a game against the Pistons tonight, too. So that, oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, that even that is a that's a much tougher back-to-back for the Knicks than it is for, for the Wiz. Now, I saw John Wall is going to play today. I believe you wrote today that, that he's um, he's finally ready to play both halves of back-to-back. So is he is the is the plan for him to play both games now and moving forward to be playing in both games of back-to-backs? That's what it's looking like. You know, Brooks did keep the door open of, you know, maybe he will sit. But um, every, after every game, after every practice, uh, John Wall has, uh, has always responded the same way, that, he feel, that, he's feel, that he's feeling fine. The only thing that's holding him back is truly conditioning, and that's you get your conditioning by playing. Right. So when he's uh, wearing down in the second half, well, the only thing that can help him uh, get over that hump is con- continuously pray- playing. So I do think he's going to play tomorrow night as well, just may not hit you know, that 34-minute threshold, which is his average. Right. Now, what, now you, you obviously covered the Pacers last year, so you haven't been around the, uh, the Wizards as much, but you know, I, I know you've, you've gotten your first Marcin Gortat blow up the other day. <laughs> uh, what, um, what, what has it been like these, these first couple of weeks around this team as you know, a team that I think, I think fairly people thought was going to be back in the playoff mix this year and be, um, be a, a pretty good team in the East has gotten off to a pretty rough start and has kind of seen every, every bad thing you could have been afraid of happening to it other than John Wall getting hurt basically happened so far. Right. I was I was part of that that group that said playoff team for sure. And I I remember in your podcast, I said top five ceiling. So if they if they get out of this next five game stretch and I I don't want to pull a guard tot and say the third game of the season is a must win. But if they get out of this stretch, uh, a two and three, a, a three and two, I still think that's an underachievement. And that's such a bad way to stagger out of the gates. When the end of your season, and of course the injuries will pile up and you never know what will happen, but we already know that at the end of their season, they're playing a lot of games on the road. Now you can argue that, okay, Verizon Center, they don't have much of a home court advantage anyway, but there's still something to playing <laughs> yes. at home, sleeping in your bed, and right. having your routine. Right. They need, they need to get out, and you're right. By the end of you know, next week, they should be 7-7. Seven, seven and seven. If they're not... That's a problem, right? I'm with you. I mean, it's it's it is early in the season, so it's it seems it, it might feel hyperbolic to say that they need to do that well, but I mean, they they really shouldn't be any worse than six and eight when they play the Spurs on the 26th. Like if they if if they're any if they're any worse than that, to your point, even if they go three and two in this stretch, that's a really that's a really big letdown and a missed opportunity to get back in the mix. Because you're right, even though even though it is early, I mean, if you you know if you look at if you look at the standings, I mean, they're 13th in the East. Now you might, yeah. you, can, you can say, well, they're only, you know, three games behind, uh, you know, they're only two, two or three games behind the eighth seed, which I think right now is Indy at five and six. Um, you know, yeah. So actually it's Boston at five and five one tonight. So they're, so they're three and a half games back. So you go, well, it's only, it's only two and a half, three games, but it's still, you know, two, two and a half, three games in, 
in November. And if you go two and three or three and two in the stretch, it could be four or five. And then all of a sudden, if you're at a five game hole, you know, that's not, that's not an easy thing to dig out of, even if you do have a long time to do it. And then, you know, the, the negativity can creep in. You could start to have issues in the locker room and things can kind of go off the rails, which is exactly why, you know, this team wanted to get off to a good start and, and why it's a problem that they have. Well, and you, you mentioned earlier, uh, some things have gone wrong that you didn't, re- you were hoping, you know, to be all optimistic that this would go right. And, and I think the big wrench right now is Bradley Bill's hamstring. Right. Now, he's not a doctor. Um, but he, the day after it happened, he said, if there is a strain, then it's a very small strain. The team has been calling it um, um, just hamstring tightness. Um, and Bricks has said, you know, there's no strain. Uh, he is getting better. And uh, we just want to be careful because it's the early part of the season. Well, the, the problem with that is Rodney Stuckey, the team I used to cover, Indiana, he, is, uh, not, he has missed nine straight games with a hamstring issue. Right. And um, as John Schumann pointed um, to my attention on uh, Twitter. Right, Jeremy Lynn. Jeremy Lynn. Yep. So this is not like one of those things where, okay, we'll rest you uh, on, on a back-to-back and you'll be all right. This could, could, this could linger. And if they don't want it to continue to linger in the, in, the, in, the, in the end of the season, then I can see them sending him out for a couple more games till he gets completely 100% right. Right. And, and you know, it, it's also – this is also a guy, you know, to be – you know, it might be unfair to, to Brad to, to talk about it this way, but this is a brittle guy at this point. Like, he, he's basically never proven he can stay healthy. I think the most games he's played in the season is 72. Um, you know, right. and it, it was a freak thing. I mean, he basically slipped on a wet spot and did a split and hurt his leg. Like, it wasn't like uh, – Right. You know, it wasn't anything else. But it's it still doesn't change the fact that this is a guy who hasn't shown he can be healthy. And you're right. I mean, hamstring injuries – can be really, really uh, lingering, nagging injuries that don't go away if you don't take care of them properly. So given, you know, I know we just talked about how this is early in the season, um, and it, or it is an important stretch even though it's early in the season, but, you know, I think if you're, if you're the Wiz, it, it doesn't make much sense to try to, to rush Beal back right now um, until you're sure that he's healthy because the worst thing you could have is have him come back and then pull his hamstring again the first game and miss another three weeks. But therein lies the other problem in that their rotation uh, is so screwed up with these injuries. You have to rely on a rookie to basically be your, your top backup. And behind him, Marcus Thornton, who hasn't truly found his way on the second unit uh, in the first two weeks. So there's just um, this kind of jumbledness and um, it's, it's not, it's not set yet because of the injuries with Jan and Brad and, and John setting out, but you continue to have uh, something that's unsettled in your second unit and you're going into your first month. That's, that's, that's the big problem with this ripple effect with Brad. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the bench because, you know, the wizards obviously went after, um, they went, they had three guys. They wanted to give a max contract to the summer, Kevin Durant, Nicola Batum and Al Horford. They didn't get a meeting with Durant. They had a they had a meeting or at least a call. I don't know. Batum didn't really do meetings. He, they had a call with Batum, and then he decided to resign with Charlotte. And then, you know, from everything that I heard back in July, they were basically at the one yard line, you know, fighting mm-hmm. with the the Celtics for Horford. Horford ends up choosing right. to go to Boston. So I thought they pivoted decently then and kind of spread their money around to try to to fill out their bench. They went and signed uh, Ian Mahimi, who's been hurt. 
Um, they signed Andrew Nicholson. They, they got Thomas Sanaransky to come over, who so far has been kind of a bright spot for them. Um, they got Trey Burke, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, but the, the, the bench has really been a disaster. Um, you know, and again, I know Mahimi's hurt, but what, what Scott, I know Scott, I mean, the rotation's messed up. Scott Burks has tried a lot of stuff. What, what do you think has been the biggest issue, um, for the second unit for the Wizards, besides the fact that John Wall just isn't on the second unit for the Wizards? <laughs> well, just uh, probably a, a lack of identity. From um, you know, I, I'm not a Troy Burke um, uh, expert, but from what I understand from people who covered him and paid attention to him in Utah and in Michigan, you know, he's a ball dominant guard, and for him to be effective, he needs the ball in his hands. Well, um, the Wizards don't run that way, uh, especially with the second unit. So he's been uh, somewhat of a fish out of water, standing in standing on the corners after he you know throws the ball in to start the set, and not really being able to be the Trey Burke. Um, Jason Smith is your, is your, you know, your, 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 your pick and pop guy. And he's not knocking down his mid range jumpers. Um, Marcus Thorne again, just hasn't found his, his, his way. And Andrew Nicholson has not been in the rotation. And I actually thought he was probably the most um, consistent offensive option they had on that second unit before he stopped playing. Yeah, so there, then there any, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bonavent, I'm a Bonaventure guy, so I'll just say that <laughs> out front. Yeah. Uh, but I have been kind of confused that Nicholson did just stop playing and that Smith played over him. It's ironically exactly what happened in Orlando too. Um, is there have they have Scott Burke really said why he made that switch? Because to your point, Smith has been pretty bad ever since he's kind of taken over that full rotation spot for them. You know, I wanted to ask that question uh, when they came back from, uh, you know, their back-to-back and had a day off. But unfortunately, I was not at practice. I was <laughs> somewhere else. Um, but because I'll just I'll just go off of what um, I try to read the tea leaves. Since he started and since training camp, the one thing that he's preached is defense. Right. So you will have to assume that defensively, maybe he just doesn't he does, he he's not. Um, Andrew isn't giving the team what Scott what wants. Right. That's, right. That was my that was my assumption. But then again, Jason Smith isn't exactly a stopper True. either. Um, but who do you play? Who no, do you play I, uh, that, Daniel uh, Achofe? Well, Achofe? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the problem, right? Now, speaking of Mahimi, this is the guy they spent a lot of money on this summer. Um, you know, obviously, he, he you know he has to have surgery on his meniscus during training camp. Um, is out for a while. Is there any is there any time frame on when he is going to be back at this point? Um, he hasn't. Uh, they haven't announced a a a return to practice date, but he is continue he is continuing um, um, solo workouts. Uh, so after practice, and he's not wearing anything on his knee. And if he is wearing something, it's compression to keep the swelling down. But other than that, he says you know that knee feels very good. So he's been able to do workouts with coaches, but the next big step would be when you're back practicing with your teammates. And this week, this Friday, will be five weeks in surgery. So, uh, you know, their original timeline was four to six weeks. I imagine that he'll, the way that he's looking now, I imagine that he can start practice maybe in week six. Well, that would certainly be, that would certainly be a welcome, uh, a welcome sight for the, for the wizards. How, how much do you right. think, how much do you think at this point though, he'll, he'll really help 
I mean, do you think he yeah. can make a significant difference? You, you spent a lot of time with Jan, actually, obviously, the last few years in Indy. Right. It's not like he's going to be the savior of the second unit, but uh, what he does bring to the table is his defense. And if that team, if that, you know, if that unit is, uh, is, is suffering on the defensive end and they really don't have a rim protector, even if Nicholson was playing, um, and they, they try to play, they're playing, you know, Gortat and Smith together, and that just seems like <laughs> right, a wash. Right. But he can, he can, he can protect the rim. He can roll, um, and I don't know if he's he's that much of a pick and popper. I mean, he can shoot from mid range, but if they if they want to run and if they want, um, he's a great screener, great screener. And if they want, um, you know, to find him as he rolls, then he can catch and finish, which was something that he really didn't have in his game early on. But last year, as a starter, he uh, he showed that he he has an offensive game. It's just I don't think that as soon as he comes back, like wow, everything's going to be settled. Right. No, I, I think I think that's definitely fair. Now, now, if you if you had to pinpoint the biggest problem right now, would you what would you say it is? Would you say it's the bench? Would you say it's 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 something specific in the the way they're with all due respect to uh, Scott Brooks? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know Scott will always say we don't have two teams here. We're the Washington Wizards. All of us have problems. Blah blah blah. I'm paraphrasing <laughs> at that point, right. but the problem really is they don't have depth. And it, it, it's going to show even tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers who, who they have to go uh, with in place of Brad. Besides their top five, you look behind them and it's such a steep fall off the cliff as far as talent and experience. So it, it, it truly is their depth. And unfortunately, their depth is their second unit. So that's their that's their biggest problem. And there, there are there are some issues with the first unit, but I think. Um, that stuff can be figured out a lot easier than covering up a, a talent discrepancy um, from your your six to ten guys. Right now, I'm looking at their I'm looking at their some of their lineups right now. Uh, obviously, their starting lineup is the only one that's played a lot of minutes, but it's played 100 in you know with Beal. They've been six games, they've played 123 minutes, and they're they're a little over. They're just over a half a point. Um, better per 100 possessions than their opponents. So basically, it's an, at least a neutral lineup, which is which is fine. Um, and then Marcus Thornton in the starting lineup, you know, even though he hasn't been that great, it's also slightly over positive uh, as a lineup. But, like, you look at... Uh, and that was a game where he was... He, he didn't score until maybe the fourth quarter. That was John Wall's, like, really right. good game. Right. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, he did anything to help that number. Right. Right, but you look, you know, they're the, the, this, uh, you know, a, a five-man lineup of Marcus Thornton, Jason Smith, Kelly Oubre, Marcus, Markeith Morris, and Trey Burke is getting destroyed, uh, even though it hasn't played a ton of minutes. And you know, basically, all these lineups that have any combination of two or three bench guys mm-hmm. um, are just getting roasted off the court. Um, and you know, like I said before, given the way the Wizards spent their money this summer, it's not great that a team that was spent a lot of money trying to get depth has turned around and now is, you know, to your point, having, you know, Marcin Cortat basically just say our bench is awful and, uh, and having Scott Brooks have to, you know, tr- to your point, try to put out fires and say, yeah, we don't have two teams. We have one team and, you know, everybody, everybody's contributing and, and having to try to do that nine games into the season isn't really the, uh, the ideal scenario for them to be in. Exactly. Um, but it seems like, uh, you know, 
And is that to me, that wasn't just the only inflammatory like quote <laughs> that Marchin gave that night, but that was the only one that like, really had the attention. He also said that, and I and I thought that Chicago loss that I thought that was not a bad loss, considering who you're starting. Sure, John and that Wall you, and Bradley Beal aren't playing. You're in the game, you, right? You were right there until the third quarter, but after the game, he says, "Yeah, you know, this isn't fun anymore." That you know, that's a direct quote. Right. Um, it's bad. So, you know, nine games into the season. It's not fun anymore. It's bad. Right. And, and and then the next quote you you bring up, you know, we have one of the worst um, benches in in the league. Right. Uh, that stuff is starting to uh, sip in, uh, you know, seep in already, uh, which may be why you know Scott took a, a very I thought very drastic um, um, drastic uh, ploy to you know say to the media we had him address the team publicly and apologize. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even honestly I didn't even realize that he did that. That's uh that that does seem like a bit of a drastic step, but uh I guess I guess when you're two and seven, you have to try to make sure that everybody is uh I guess you have to try to make sure everybody is on the same page. Um, and and if they win these really next bad. five games, it's going to be because of um the the core, right? The core that they kept together, right? So you and the, the core does need help. So you get you got to make sure that that things aren't splintering. Because um, every now and then, Marchin is 32 years old. He will need a blow. He he will need to sit down. Same right. thing with John Wall. So they they do need to have that togetherness. But it's it's if they win, it's going to be because of the front five. Right now, one thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, I thought it was interesting that the the Wizards chose to play John against the Cavs last week, and then not take him to Chicago and have him play against the Bulls in a game that, frankly, you know, just from a just from a straight mathematical standpoint, was a much better chance of them to get a win. Um, right. It, what has been the the general feeling? I know it, I know it's a little bit of an old story now because it sounds like he's going to start playing both halves of back to backs. But what what has been the general decision making behind these um, the their their decisions on these back to backs? Because you know it did cost them a game in Orlando. I think it's fair to say, and it, and it may have even cost them that game in Chicago because if John Wall plays in that game. You know, given given how close that game was as it as it stood without him, you'd think they probably had a really good chance of winning. Well, first, uh, they they sh- really should not have needed John Wall to beat the Orlando Magic, but as soon as it as soon as this became like the trend, and you know he was going to sit one game, either the first or the second, um, I asked him about that upcoming um, you know Cleveland Chicago bout, and he said, you know which one I'm going to play in. So as a competitor. Obviously, he wants to play against LeBron. He wants to play, he wants to play Kyrie against... Irving. That, that's that's right. That's who he wants to play. Forget LeBron. True, <laughs> John, true. John Wall wants to try to. John Wall wants to show up Kyrie Irving in that game. So yeah, uh, he said that uh, you know he had input into which games he wanted to play. I, I I'm with you. I would have thought that uh, even though that probably would have been terrible to have two your starting backcourt out for a home game. Uh, just because you know it's a it's a it's the first sellout of the season, and let's let's you know remember that this is a business too. Sure. And you have to give the fans something. Um, as far as the business, it probably wouldn't have been the right decision. But I really do think if John would have played in Chicago, much better chance of winning and surviving. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler's on slot. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm definitely. Uh... I'm I'm definitely with you there, and I, I had a I mean it, I had a feeling that you know obviously you know given John's personality and and the fact that I know he at times has felt overlooked 
compared to some of these other star guards around the league who get more attention. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure if it was up to him, he would, he would 100% play against the Cavs. But, uh, you know, and you're right. I think, you know, the fact that there, it was a home game probably wasn't, it wasn't probably too upsetting to Wizards management to have him play in that game too. It's just from a, when your team is well under 500 already, I would, you know, it seems like you should probably be taking a broader view and trying to, um, trying to pick up as many wins as you can. Um, now he, now he, he has looked to me, at least John has looked, uh, surprisingly good. Um, I only say surprisingly given, you know, I think people kind of underestimated the significance of the, the surgeries he had this summer. I mean, when you have surgery on two knees, that's, that's no joke. Um, but he, mm-hmm. he looks, he's looked pretty good, I think, especially athletically, uh, early in the season. Have you, have you thought that, that he's kind of maybe been, you know, as, as good as, as you could hope for from a physical standpoint here early on? Precisely. And when he says that, you know, he's wearing down in this, in the second half, you know, I'm watching him, I'm trying to see this. I, I haven't seen too much where it says like, okay, like it's glaring that, okay, this guy is tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe to his standard, but I, I thought that he's, he's looked like the John Wall of old, you know, he started the season with three straight double doubles. Um, his shot, uh, his speed. Well, I shouldn't say his, his shot more so, but I've been more more impressed with his speed and just how easy it is for him still to get to the rim. And you would think with knee, after knee surgery, double knee surgeries, that that would be something that would have to be developed later on. But no, he's 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 he looks like the same John Wall now defensively, um, and and maybe with the turnovers, that could definitely use some improvement. But as far as being um, the best player in the court on most nights, he is that. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I think you're right about that. And, and I mean, you mentioned the turnovers, and I, I've been leading the John Wall hype train for a long time. I think he's fantastic. But the one thing you could always criticize criticize him for are his turnovers. He's he's at uh, 5.4 a game, which is obviously too many. Um, do you do you think that maybe? a lot of that comes down to some of the, the tiredness and losing focus that he's talking about when he, 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 you know, at least in his mind wears down later in games, kind of very gets a good point with the ball. Good point. Especially in those fourth quarters. Um, they're, they're more evident because those, those passes that he, he is making, he's trying to thread needles and not making the right play. So maybe, um, maybe trying to do too much and um, feeling uh, maybe fatigued and just trying to, trying to hit the home run when when that's not the that's not the play that that, that needs to happen at that point well and to your point uh, he's averaging just under two turnovers a game in the fourth quarter so you know that the over you know if over a third of them are coming in the last quarter of the game then you know it's probably especially he's only playing about half a fourth quarter so that that would tend to kind of fall into that argument that, that maybe he's just kind of losing focus after some fatigue a little bit um what what have you thought just kind of of the overall mix around the team? I mean, this, this obviously got a lot of attention uh, back in August when, you know, John and Brad had their, you know, sit down with CSN and said they don't always get along, which led to a lot of freaking out. Um, <laughs> and obviously, you know, the recent comments from Marcin didn't help with that, even though he's, you know, known for kind of going off every now and then. Um, especially when there's a couple losses, but have you, what, what has kind of been your overall take on, on the vibe around the team, you know, outside of, 
outside of what Marcin said the other day. I mean, do you do you feel like do you feel like things are things are aren't fraying too much, or is it already starting to get kind of dicey given the way they started? Well, I, I do think that uh, I don't want to sound like a you know Wizards PR, but I do think they're they're good dudes in that locker room, and, and when you have few knuckleheads and good dudes, it's easier to kind of stay together. Um, but I imagine seven losses that eats at anyone. They do happen to have uh, a lot of youth in that locker room, and maybe uh, you know Sheldon McCle- McKellen, who did a good job in Chicago. Um, People have uh, a lot of a lot of guys in there already have have said that how how he he's the funniest guy in the locker room. He keeps things light. Um, you know, even after losses, I've seen guys after a locker room. You, you've probably seen this this scene all all across the NBA after you know losses, tough losses. You know, guys will sit together and and chat about it in the locker room. Um, so I've seen that a couple of times, and it and it seemed like you know positive positive uh, you know communication, not you know just you know the complaining or harping after you know some some bad some bad plays that didn't run their way so i i think the vibe is as as good as it can be um but of course when <laughs> one of your locker room leaders says oh it's bad and this isn't fun anymore and, and i will say this i i don't have great context in marching because this is only my first season covering him right talking to him i especially that night i felt as if um if he would have probably just thought a, a little bit more, because I, I, <laughs> I don't want to, well, well, like, like, I don't want to ascribe to him any emotions or any feelings. But it just being in that scrum, it just felt like he may have been pouring it on well, that, because this, yeah, this there was what, a crowd in front of him. Well, this is you know it, what I mean. I, it's not even. It, I wouldn't even say it's that. It's just this is what marching does. Like if it, he he uh, he's kind of like a tabloid sports writer almost in a weird sense where if things are going great then like things are as great as they can be and if things are going bad they're as bad as they can be you know like there's no gotcha. there's not a lot of in between so you know i i uh i think i i think i remember our uh our friend michael lee uh after you tweeted out those quotes saying something like if uh when marcin writes a book when he when he ends his career it's the the headline or the uh the title is going to be keeping it real uh and i, I think I think that kind of, I think that kind of sums up Marcin's uh, attitude with the media, and that he just kind of, like you said, he he says what's on his mind in the moment, and doesn't necessarily think about any of the the consequences of it, and then and, you know it becomes a huge story like this, even if it's not quite as bad as as he right. might think in the moment. And to the and to your point, I do think he operates in extremes because in that same scrum, he he says that. Thomas Sadoransky is a very, very good player who's going to stick around for a very, very long time <laughs> in the NBA and just praises him about his basketball IQ. Right. So every time you talk to to Marchin, which I appreciate it, there's no in-between. There's no lukewarm. Right. It, he's either hot or cold. He <clears> either <throat> loves it or he loathes it. And I appreciate that because I'm a writer and I, you know, it's good to, you know, have somebody, you know, be honest but I do believe that in, in those very strong parallels, it's, it's probably somewhere in the middle where, where the truth really is. But just in Martin's world, it's just he's so extreme. Yeah, it's good for us, though. I mean, it's good for it's good right. for copy and it's good for it's good for deadline copy. Have a couple big quotes, <laughs> plop them in. There you go. The pump your story up a bit. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, this this is a this is a fascinating 
situation for them because they, you know, this is a team that, you know, had two really good years in a row, got to the second round of the playoffs twice, looked like they were a team on the ascendancy in the East. Um, they go into last year, you know, obviously have these grand plans to make a big run at Kevin Durant. That couldn't go worse. Comes comes to uh, comes to Washington around this time last year, early or you know mid December or mid mid November. Um, he gets hurt. War, the Thunder win by forty. The fans boo him after they he kind of told them to boo him before the game, and they weren't sure what to do. Uh, so that that whole pursuit was basically over before it started. Wizards then missed the playoffs. They spend all this money on these depth guys this summer to try to fill out the team. So they had you know kind of this set up and established roster going forward. And now they come into this season, you know, with a new coach and in my opinion, needing to really get off to a good start. And they have not kind of just, it just hasn't gone well at all. Um, you know, and now they find themselves two and seven uh, heading into this, this upcoming stretch of the, the, the season, you know, really needing to try to, to get, to get things together. It, it is, it is just kind of, uh, it's just kind of interesting to me how, you know, the roller coaster ride that really started at the beginning of last season to this point just hasn't really stopped yet. Right. I, I kind of wish I was around last year just so I can, because you're not the only one who, who painted that Kevin Durant game that way. And I, I, that had to have been such a strange, strange night. It was strange to watch it. I mean, I, I wasn't, I was just before I officially started on the job. If it had been another week later, I would have been at the game, which would have been better, but it was, it was just a bizarre you know, it really kind of in a microcosm. It really was a microcosm of their entire season. I mean, Durant Durant shows up there and and basically says, "Hey, John Wall and Bradley Beal are great. You guys should be excited about them." You know, don't be excited about somebody on the other team. Basically saying, "I'm not going to be on your team. Cheer, <laughs> cheer for those guys." So then the fans like kind of boo him yeah. at the start of the game, and then the the, the the Thunder ended up like 30 at halftime, and then he got hurt in the third quarter. I mean, it it just was a, a comically bad. Uh, it was a comically bad night in a, you know, and just kind of in, in, in keeping with, you know, the large stretches of misery that the Wizards franchise has been really for, uh, you know, basically the last four decades. I mean, it, it is kind of, it is kind of remarkable when you go back and look, I mean, the Wizards haven't won, the Wizards haven't won 50 games in a season since the seventies, right? which is, you know, which is hard to do just, just in general. I mean, in the NBA, it, if you, you know, you ought to be able to at least win 50 games every once in a while. And, and they, they haven't done it in, in basically 40 years um, with some really good players along the way, too. I mean, it's not like they've had some just terrible teams the entire time. Um, right. you, you wrote the other day about the, uh, the Chick-fil-A thing in the fourth quarter. You became the latest person to, uh, to, to write about the, you know, kind of the absurdity of Wizards home games sometimes. What, as as now, that, now that you've been around the team a little bit, uh, and not just popping in as a traveling beat writer coming in from out of town. You know, what, what has been your take on, on the fan support in the city and, and where it is in, in relation to, uh, in relation to what's, um, you know, in relation to other places around the league? Right. Well, um, before the Cleveland game, they had three, uh, three home games and, uh, from the season opener until, um, the game, bef- the home game before the Cleveland game, the home attendance was, going drastically down each time with the announced attendance. Uh, they are a late arriving crowd, which I get because traffic can be deplorable, but there's just not a lot of interest. And I, 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 I see it. I mean, every time you tweet about Bradley Bill, you get the same responses every time. Um, 
you write about a loss, you get the same responses. I get <laughs> emails saying that from different people saying the exact same thing. There's just a level of I don't need, I don't think it's apathy at this point. I still think it's 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 uh, rage, and there's 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 just not that support. And but really, what have they shown that can? Okay, well here, here's the deal. I'm in Philly tonight, right? <laughs> right. That this game will be sold out, and this game will have uh, a heap of fans cheering and um, being Philly, being Philly people. Right. If that fan base can support that franchise, which you know surprises the mess out of me, I think that says something about just the. And I and I said before, maybe not apathy. Well, maybe it is apathy. Oh, I, think, if, if I think Philly can support word. the 76ers, but in Washington, the Wizards, who have had success recently in your lifetime, and you, you can't sell out un, unless, you know, it's uh, Kobe's last game or LeBron comes or, or well, uh, Golden State gonna, comes. I was going to say, they'll sell out tomorrow and the place will be rooting for the Knicks. Oh, yeah, true, true. So, you know. so it's just it's, it's interesting to me that there's just that much meh uh, feeling uh, from the fans to that franchise. Yeah, I, I find it interesting too. I mean, I'm not I'm not somebody who's ever lived full time in D.C. So you know the, the you know people in D.C. like to make excuses. They like to blame it on the team being bad. Or they like to blame it on the fact that Ernie Grunfeld's still the GM, or you know whatever. You know, last year was because Randy Whitman was still the coach. I mean, they always seem to have an excuse for why they don't support right. the team. Uh, but so if Ernie is fired today. Does that mean that the the place would be packed sure. with I mean, that, uh, red and white and blue? That's what you know. That you know. I think I think if Ernie does finally leave his job at the end of the year, and who knows, maybe the you know the wizard could easily easily bounce back and things stay the same. But I think if Ernie does if Ernie does leave after this season, whether he steps down or he gets fired or whatever, um, I think he's on a one year rolling deal. So let's say his contract expires and doesn't get renewed, whatever the terminology is. If he isn't in the picture anymore. I would be curious to see what the new excuse would be or if there wouldn't be one. Um, because even though I've only been here about a year, um, it is actually officially a year today. But it's been, yeah, uh, yeah it's weird to think that. Uh, it, it, is, it is funny that there is just a constant stream of excuses about why we don't support the team as much as we do from the Wizard fan perspective. I get emails or uh, tweets or, or chat questions all about, you know, this reason and this reason and this reason why the Wizards stink or I'm not going to back them or whatever. And I've always just found it interesting from the same same perspective you do. Like, there are plenty of other teams, whether it's, you know, the Warriors were terrible for decades and had fans show up. And the Knicks have been terrible for 15 right. years and they sell out every game. And they're like, it's a little different now because Embiid is playing. So there's a little more excitement. But still, to your point... The Sixers have been horrendous for three years, and like just because Joel Embiid is there, like now they're going to sell out games. Like you know, John Wall is one of the 15 best players in the league. You can't get excited about that. Like right. it, it is just a very, it is just a very interesting thing to to kind of watch play out. And like you said, if you're there for a team like the Knicks, you know the the, the place is going to be or the Lakers or the the Heat or you know the Heat with LeBron or now the Cavs like. You know, I'm sure for that Cavs game last week, I'm sure it was probably close to 50-50 crowd. People rooting for the Cavs, if if not, not more 60, for the Cavs. 40, yeah. Right. And, it, you know, I, I do I – don't, I don't quite know what the reason is, but I, I do think it's something that the Wizards do at some point really have to figure out because it just isn't um, 
it just isn't conducive to having a successful franchise long term, in my opinion. Um, if you can't get the local fan base fired up about your team, right? Well, maybe in the in the nineties, was it you know was it different with you know Chris Weber and Mirasan, all that that group? I mean, because I, I remember the, the even only... as a kid, I used to like the Bullets. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, they were the Bullets. Yeah. I used to like the Bullets because because of um, because you know those Fat Five guys were on there, right? And I was rooting for them in that first round. I think they played the Bullets in the first they round the and won. Once, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say the only time that I've really noticed a difference, um, just from a a faraway perspective, because I obviously wasn't covering the league then. The one the one time that, that people I think really embraced that team was when Gilbert was there, and they had that that run in the mid 2000s with Gilbert and Karan and, and Anton Jameson and like that team, that team, like if you go back and watch like clips from those games, like they the place would go crazy. Never Gilbert did stuff. And uh, it, it does, but that does feel like a kind of an oasis in the desert though, like that. And that was only a couple years stretch and then Gilbert got hurt and things kind of fell apart. But you know, it, 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 that seems like the one time the wizards have had that kind of a feeling in the city. And you know, like I said, I, I think it's really something to have to try to recapture because it's it's just hard to um, it's just hard to to have a, a franchise really establish itself if if you don't have that kind of home court support and people, you know, getting excited about the team and showing up. I mean, it's not it just it, it just makes it it just makes it a lot harder when you go around the country and you look at. I mean, you you've been to all these other places, whether it's Indiana when they're good. I mean, a lot of these teams when they're good. Um, well, Indiana has a strange fan base too. That's and I, true. I, I've said it then, and I'll I'll say it now. For some reason, for for them to be the cradle of basketball, and for them to say in forty nine mm-hmm. states, it's uh it's just basketball. But this is Indiana. Well, yeah, they don't support point. the Pacers. Well, and that and that that the demarcation line there is the is the Artest melee, right? Right. Like they just haven't right. really recovered from that, which at least, I mean, at least there's some, I mean, I, and they should be over it by they now. They should be over it by now, but at least there, at least there's something that you can kind of point to there. Um, but you're right. They've had, I mean, they had some really great teams when you were covering the team and they still didn't show up. So it isn't, it isn't something that's, that is specific to, um, to DC, but I, I do think it's something that, that the wizards do need to try to sort out. So um, all right, well, before we go, what's your, what is your prediction for these five games? What do you think <laughs> Um, I'm going to say a win tonight, a win tomorrow, and they're going to, they're going to drop one of these games. So I'm going to say Miami's going to be the one they drop, uh, but they got to beat Phoenix and, um, and then after Phoenix, is it in Orlando? Okay. Uh, that's after, that's after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah, let, they'll go four and one. I think four and one is probably the right the right bet too. Um, that, like you said, I think they should go five and one. It's probably safe to assume they lose one of them. But I think if I think if they do any worse than four and one, I think then yeah. we really have to start looking at it and and wondering, you know, if they're going to be able to to get this get this figured out because it is, it is you know again it, it might only be ten games into the season, but if you you know if you just look at it, you know that this that's a stretch where they just have to they have to make up some ground exactly and if they don't they're going to be in trouble so all right well well thanks for thanks for stopping by candace is there any is there any stuff you've done recently you want to uh you want to plug no unfortunately i need <laughs> to get on top of it well i'm trying to work on some stories now so hopefully uh in the coming in the coming days and weeks there'll be some good stuff to well promote. you're you're busy you're busy trying to cover a five alarm fire so it's uh, <laughs> you're, you're, 
you run out of you run out of time to do other stuff. So that's understandable. But read Candace's work in the in the post and follow her on Twitter. Was it Candace A. Buckner? Just Candace Buckner? Um Candace, Candace D. D. Buckner. I knew there I don't was know a where letter. We got the a. I couldn't remember what the letter was. I was trying you to You were just gonna go through the letter. alphabet until you hit the letter. I just couldn't remember it. So I took a guess. <laughs> I knew I knew it was another letter in there. But follow follow Candace on Twitter at Candace D. Buckner. Uh, <laughs> Killing it on the Wisby. So, Candace, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you, Timothy. All right, thanks to Candace for stopping by. Uh, really appreciate her insights on the Wiz. Um, you can find my work uh, at the Washington Post, either in the newspaper itself or online at WashingtonPost.com. You can go to my Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash/TimBontemsMBA, and track down my work there. You can find me on Twitter at TimBontemps. Um, you can tweet at me there. Um, we're going to do, uh, something different. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the pod, but, um, we're going to, we're going to do video, uh, video chat starting on Tuesday. Uh, I believe it's going to be Tuesday at three Eastern, uh, noon Pacific. Um, it's also going to turn into a podcast later, but the goal, the goal is to try to, to replicate what the, uh, in the long term, what the, the true hoop live, uh, the live Friday pods used to be. Um, still have to work out a bunch of kinks on what exactly it's going to be, but, uh, very excited about trying to do this, uh, you know, some live video stuff, uh, going to have some fan interaction. Hopefully, um, once we kind of get through the, the initial workout phases and, and figure out what we're doing, but, um, going to be doing the, doing the show on Tuesday with Tom Johnson, who's a, a video guy at the post who's a big, big heat fan, uh, big NBA fan, smart guy. Uh, so it should be, should be a really fun conversation. So, um, you know, looking forward to any feedback you guys can, you guys can give on that and hopefully a bunch of participation, uh, it should be a lot of fun. And, uh, like I said, really, really excited about that. So, so look, look for that next week. Um, otherwise, uh, thanks, thanks to everybody for stopping by. Thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music as always. And looking forward to talking to you guys again soon.